Welcome to the Search the Scriptures podcast, where we dive into scripture and provide the explanation of it in the most accurate light that we can. Search the Scriptures is a podcast that is dedicated primarily to the Christian, challenging our brothers and sisters along with ourselves to see if we have set aside the commands of God to set up our own traditions. To do this, we use scripture to explain scripture. Please join us on this journey. So the topic Tuesday, I got Kathy, my wife, and I got G, Ronald Lanier. And we're going to be speaking about what does the Bible say about death? And specifically for this, we're not talking about what happens after you die. That can be a whole different uh, conversation. What we're talking about here is um, just dealing with death and how how do we deal with death, specifically as believers. And so we're going to jump right into this, flip back to here. So starting it off right from the get. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 tells us, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. So I bring this up because um, whenever someone is going through something and that you know, yeah, uh, there's mourning over something. There's you know they're grieving over something. The typical thought is we gotta kind of be resilient. Not so much the word resilient, but uh, resolute. Uh, not really showing the emotion, showing the strength for them because we got to be strong for them. And I think that that could absolutely. Uh, oh, we got the hand raising back. I think that. Um, that may not necessarily be the best advice, especially based off of what it says here, which uh, so I would say so my experience whenever I lost my mother. It's so strange to see at that time. Uh, it was so many people there, but I didn't recall a lot of people at the time. And so at the time when that happened, as tough as it was, you know, and people are trying to be strong for you. But the truth is, I think people need to see. That whenever you're hurt or when that person's hurt, if you get the emotions of crying with them, you should cry with them instead of trying to say, you know what, I can't cry. I got to be strong for them. I think it's important for them to also see that it also affected you, too, uh, because otherwise a person can feel like, well, you don't know how this is or, you you know, uh, this is only, ha- you know, uh, how can you say that everything's going to be OK or, you know, they don't feel the exact same way. What you got for us, G? Man, you took the words out of my mouth. I I can say that I get tired of hearing people, you know, tell individuals who are going through a difficult time. It's, it doesn't have to necessarily pertain to just death itself, but just anything that's tough. You always hear someone say, be strong. And I typically would hear them say that to someone who's crying. And I'm like, what does it mean to be strong in the sense, in a season of sadness? And I feel like the strongest thing to do is actually being real with your emotion. Uh, You're sad. It's okay to cry. And I love that scripture where it says to to weep or to more or less be willing to express those raw emotions with them. Don't let them feel alone. I feel like that's, you know, a way that we need to get back into the word itself. And we need to see that for what it is because I don't want someone to feel like they can't express 
that raw emotion of sadness uh, just because someone told them to be strong. Because being strong is not meaning not, not to cry. Um, and I kind of just, I get tired of hearing that now. I get it. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, that's just what, that's been going, the going phrase forever. And, but the important part I think is for one, scripture tells us to weep with them and two, the effect that it has, because uh, then they, they feel that someone is joining in with them instead of uh, them feeling kind of all alone. This is only happening to them. That makes sense. But yes, Great point. Let's move on to the next one. So I want to establish that first. And we'll see a little bit of that right here. So Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7 through 8 says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not weak and his vitality had not left him. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. So I bring this up for a, a few different reasons. I, I feel this is just my personal opinion. So you can take it with a grain of salt. But I do feel that it is important to uh, to, um, to mourn because um, the mourning process, I believe, truly lets you, your your spirit and your flesh know that that person is gone. They're not coming back within your lifetime. They're, they're, they're gone. And so uh, I, I think that the especially in the old testament the israelites had it really uh down and they would go for upwards of 30 days sometimes 70 days uh for certain people in the bible uh of mourning i think that's helpful uh uh just being healthy uh, for your own mentality questions or comments on this or concerns so another scripture that i was going to bring up that i didn't was um when also David was mourning and others joined in and mourned with him. And so that's just tying it back to the first scripture that we we're talking about of uh, weeping, weep with those that are weeping. But moving on. So Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse one says, a good name is better than fine perfume and the day of one's death than the day of one's birth. So, a lot of people will look at this and the most, I guess what a lot of people will say, at least what I heard the most is that we should celebrate when a person dies and we should mourn when a person is born. I don't know that it's necessarily saying this. Uh, I think it's tying in to exactly what it begins with a good name. So if a person has a good name, it says it's better than fine perfume. So for that person that has a good name, the day of one's death is actually better than their own birth because their name has because they have a good name questions or comments on this so far all right moving on ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2 the very next verse says it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting since that is the end of all mankind and the living should take it to heart. So I'm bringing up some scriptures that starts to give us, it starts to uh, look inward whenever we do see uh, uh, death happen to someone. Whether we know the person intimately or not, it just may be a friend of a friend of a friend. But when we go to the house of mourning, it is really good to reflect that this is the end of all of us. 
we all will come to this particular point. There's not a lot of uh, a lot of them that I went to where I actually saw someone. Um, you know, usually when when there's a there's a um, when there's a funeral, you know, people say really kind of things about the person's there. Um, but it's rare that I've seen preachers actually preach the, about the severity of what just happened and letting people know that we are all headed this direction and then the call to um to salvation and i've seen it i've seen it. it's been harsh i've seen it to where uh a pastor his own his own uh his own family had died and and he he didn't sit, sit up there and say all these good remarks about the person but instead talked about what led on to this particular death a lot of people were upset about that but honestly i felt like that if even one person took that and changed it i, I believe that was a good thing questions or comments on this so far man i would have loved to hear that that pastor speaking on that because we want to hear when that person dies there in heaven looking down upon us but when we go to the word and we've taken this approach of talking about the realm of the dead and all these different things that the, when we go to these wakes and funerals, they don't talk about that. Amen. And, and I so think I just, what was cool about the way, at least from what I remember it happened is that he didn't necessarily, uh, he wasn't saying this is where this person is going, whether, you know, heaven, hell, realm of the dead, uh, uh, place of comfort, place of uh, torment. He didn't, he didn't so much go into that. He was just talking about what led to this, to that particular death. So I thought it was very artful in the way that he he came around to that. But still, people, I mean, it's an emotional time. So people got very upset about it. All right, we will head on to the next one. Next verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 2 through 3 says, Everything is the same for everyone there is one fate for the righteous and the wicked for the good and the bad for the clean and the unclean for the one who sacrifices and the one who does not sacrifice as it is for the good so it is for the sinner as for the one who takes an oath so for the one who fears an oath this is an this is an evil in all that is done under the sun there is no there is one fate for everyone in addition the hearts of people are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead. So Ecclesiastes, uh, we've just read a couple, a few different verses from Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, and it's telling us that this is the fate of all mankind. All mankind. We're all going to this particular place, the realm of the dead. We're all going there. That is our fate. Every last, every single one of us, the good and the bad the righteous and the wicked. This is all where we're headed to. And uh, and it's important for us to take this to heart. Questions or comments on this so far? All right. Next verse is coming from Psalms, chapter 39, verses four through five. And it says, Lord, reveal to me the end of my life and the number of my days. Let me know how short-lived I am. You indeed have made my days short in length, and my lifespan is nothing in your sight. 
Yes, every mortal man is only a vapor. So again, this is us looking inwardly. Once we see these things happen with death, this is us looking inwardly. And in Psalms, the writer's telling us that uh, he's asking the Lord to uh, reveal that to me. Like, and, and what better way to reveal that to you than attending funerals to be revealed? To, so they reveal, oh my goodness, this person's life came to an end. Mine also will at some point. Questions or comments on this so far? All right. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses 13 through 14 says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers concerning those who are asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way, God will bring with him those who have fallen, fallen asleep through Jesus. So now we're starting to look at some hope. We're looking at the hope that we have this this uh, this coming for us in the future if we remain steadfast in that love so we went from speaking about mourning and mourning with those weeping with those who weep to self-reflecting on our own brevity of life to now what does god say about these things so in here in thessalonians we're told that though we grieve, we're not grieving like the rest of the people who have no hope. We know that we will see them again. Questions or comments on this so far? I think that's where my <clears throat> my dryness comes from sometimes. It, well, it can sometimes come off as being dry. It's because I have that hope. And when you have a very, you know, and when you have like certainty of a situation, how you respond will more or less show how much certainty you actually have. It's like a test. I could say I studied, but my composure and how I actually, you know, hold myself when it comes to taking this test really show, did G really study? So when I look at death, like when my brother died, oh man, I was a mess. I, I didn't know what to do. I wasn't, but my faith wasn't that strong. But now after he, you know, he's been, he, he died in 2012. I've had this time to build my relationship with God and get an understanding of what life truly is and what death truly is and the death that Jesus endured for us and how he did rise and how we will also follow suit. I have that type of uh, understanding. So when someone does die that I know or a family member or a friend of a friend, I somewhat rejoice knowing that they don't have to go through the pain here on earth anymore. But I also don't find myself getting extremely sad anymore because I understand what's taking place. Amen. And I get it, but we also got to remember to weep with those who weep. That's okay. Right. Because I'm also like a, a, a young lady that I went to high school with has lost someone that she um, had great... I would say I had a depth relationship with and she, they knew each other very well. And uh, long story short, you know, a young man, he passed away. And I know that she's in pain uh, emotionally. And my biggest thing is I actually feel, you know, I feel a sense of sadness because it's, I can only imagine being in a position, losing someone that I had uh, 
an in-depth relationship with as well. Uh, you know, so my sadness goes beyond just just her situation, but it allows me to re, you know reflect on my own. And I'm like, man, how would I feel if I had to go through that same similar situation? So, like the scripture says, be willing to embark in that you know in that sadness that they're going through. Be willing to actually you know, like you said, cry with them, uh, be there for them, and let them know you're not alone. You know, these feelings may be, you know, now, hey, you know, their presence, let your, let those, as those feelings are present in that person's life, I'm learning, I also need to be present in that person's life as well, and let them know I'm here for you um, whenever you need it type thing. Amen. Thank you for that comment. You're right. Moving on to the, uh, to the next the next verse says, Psalms chapter 34, verse 18 says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. So um, this is um, what's key, I guess, in here. So this is what's helped me. This is this is what helped uh, Kathy and myself as we went through our, our, our ordeals with death. Um, it's the Lord. Uh, and he says he saved those crushed in spirit. I do remember when uh, there's a there's a scripture when Jesus is about to go to the cross, and before he hit he goes to the cross, he talks about him being depressed or in despair to the point of death. And uh, and I can't help but feel that when it says he saves those crushed in spirit, that that's what happens when someone is dealing with a for real nasty morning that they have to do whether it be death or something else and uh and he saves their crushed spirit so when we climb out of it as quickly as we do this seems unreasonable it's because the lord saved us from that now i want to make a, a point to say that this is uh, those that are crushed in spirit not those who are broken hearted but not crushed crushed in spirit and broken hearted so you can be broken hearted because something happened and you're upset about your broken heart. You're sad about it, but you're still prideful because it shouldn't have happened to you. You know, you're better than this or you, you shouldn't have happened. We're not bad people. Why is this happening to us? That's not a crushed spirit. You're still that's the person that still has a pride. So this a person that's crushed in spirit has given up. They're humble. They have been humbled and they have they, they've accepted the reality of what it is. Questions or comments on this so far? All right, let's move to the next one. So Matthew chapter five, verse four says, again, we're talking about how God looks at these things. So we looked at how, uh, what we're supposed to do when someone is dealing with mourning. We look at how we should do for ourselves. We look at self, we're looking in, self-reflecting, and then we're looking at what God says about these matters. So Matthew chapter five, verse four, Jesus is speaking and he says, those who mourn are blessed for they will be comforted that seems so backwards for a person who is mourning to actually be blessed but this is this is god saying it so it's true he says that the person who is mourning they're blessed because they will be comforted that seems so backwards but don't i know that this is the truth in my own life in the life of my family we know this is true and we'll know it for certain 
Yeah, the resurrection. What you got for us, G? Man, if that's even though it sounds like a conundrum or just backwards, it's so true. It wasn't until so uh, this you know show a little bit, shine a little light on you know what happened to my brother. He died in uh, Florida when he was on vacation. Uh, he was he was actually killed, and I remember getting the call. And I was in Florida as well. I just didn't go to the, the nightclub that night. But um, long story short, I found out he passed. And it was like the next 24 hours, I was looking at my brother embalmed. And I really wasn't mourning. Like a tear came out. But I'm looking at my, you know, my brother, who is now dead. I'm looking at him. And, uh, and it still has not hit me yet. I go back to the resort, pack, you know, help help dad pack his bag. We driving home, you know, driving from Orlando back to, you know, Colleen, Texas, man. That's that's a haul. So it's like it still didn't hit me. It wasn't until his funeral we had to close the casket and I really felt myself like really the emotions are finally hitting me. I felt so much comfort actually crying and letting out my pain uh, in tears. Like, it, it, I know it sounds weird, but like until I actually started to have a real moment of my, my feelings and letting the pain that was trapped inside of being embarrassed of crying, the moment I allowed myself to actually do those things, I felt more at peace and more comfort than just trying to bottle it up and try to act like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, oh, I'm so strong and I can do this on my own. But that scripture, I didn't, I didn't know about that. But uh, yeah, it is so true. Amen, amen. We're gonna look into some even further than this. Let me go back to it. Uh, so, going to stand in Matthew, but going to chapter ten, verses twenty-nine through thirty-one. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, "Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent." But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid, therefore. You are worth more than many sparrows. So Jesus is, is, is making, uh, he's telling us that, of course, at the time, he says, two sparrows sold for a penny. But even they, as worthless as we perceive them as human beings, even they could not die without the Father's consent. Without him saying, okay, it's time for them to die. They they cannot fall to the ground without him giving the okay. And he says, we are worth far more than sparrows. Questions or comments on this? All right. Next one up is Psalms chapter 116, verse 15. And it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So when now we're, there's, a, there's, a, there's something specific here because it says his saints. So those he has saved, right? Those he has set apart for himself. This he doesn't take lightly. He says it's precious in his sight so that when one of them dies, it isn't just another person dying. He isn't just setting off, uh, standing off like, you know, okay, that's done. It's that he says it's precious to him. Questions or comments on this? 
All right, now we're about to get to the last part here. So John chapter 11, verses 32 through 35. It says, now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So this is really big for me. Kind of bring uh, chills. Kind of gets me uh, emotional about it because when I'm thinking about it, it'll just give you a little bit of background. Jesus is on his way to see Lazarus, who has died. He, he's died. Jesus knew he died. He told his disciples, we're going to go wake him up. And so they're like, well, if he's asleep, then, you know, he'll just wake up. Right. I mean, that's, that's not a big deal. Why we got to go there? And uh, and Jesus told him plainly, he's died. And we're going to go wake him up. We're going to go bring him back to life. So what I find interesting here is knowing full well what he was about to do. He knew he was about to do a miracle. He's about to bring him back to life, knowing that whenever he saw Mary crying and the Jews, they were also with her crying. It moved him and he cried. That is amazing. It's amazing because he already knew what he was going to do. He knew everything was going to be just fine. But even still, he wasn't sitting there like, I don't have any emotion about this. Like, I don't know why y'all crying. It's going, everything's going to be fine. No, not. He wasn't crying because Lazarus was dead. He was crying because of their feelings. Their feelings were so raw and true that it caused him to cry. That's amazing. Here we have God in the flesh, the very son of God. This is something that's important because. Whether God answers a prayer the way that you want him to or not, he may just straight up say no. You may be praying for someone who is on their deathbed. You may be praying for that person. Begging God to come through, to do a miracle. And it may not happen. That person dies. Life goes on. But know this. He heard you. He felt it. He felt it. Whether he decided to do the miracle or not, he felt it. That's amazing to me. That's the kind of God that we serve. Questions or comments on this? That is deep. Excuse me. That is extremely deep. Um, The same God that gives us the instructions on how to mourn with those who mourn and how to be comforting to those who need to be comforted. Um, I just love the fact that our father has sent his son to be a, a true example on how to live and how to be. Jesus wasn't just a perpetrator who just went about, you know, instructing us on how to do things. Jesus actually was about that action. Jesus actually was the real deal and i guess the more we read the word the more that we really get to understand and learn his true nature and how we also should be and who we have been called to be imitators of 
he is a, a beautiful example of how to live. I just love that, like you said, he, he was willing to express emotion. And then, of course, you know, this is not off topic. Jesus just amazes me in general on how he just sometimes, like, as he just did not know. Like, Jesus sometimes will uh, just be in, like, awe of a situation, or he'll ask a question knowing the answer already, but he will still ask the question. And that's why I just, I bow to him, because he, there's no one else like him. There's no one. He is so amazing in all he does. There's no truly understanding how, like, the depth of who he is. Like, he's, he's forever. So every time I hear something new that is, you know, that basically triggers something new in my heart, it just goes to show them the, the amazing, the mighty king we truly serve. Amen. And, and, you know, when you're saying that about, you know, how he's um, there's no one else like him. And that is literally true of him. He is called the unique God. He is the only begotten God. There is no one. There's literally no one else like him. You have the Father who's always existed. You have the Son who's always existed in Him. And at some point, before we we don't know when, before the world began, though, before anything ever happened, He came out of His Father. And it's the only time it had ever happened. If it happened with Him, first time it ever happened was with Him, and the last time it ever happened was with Him. There is literally no other person like Him anywhere. Even His Father is different from Him in that sense because he is unique that he is the begotten god beautiful stuff and that's just that's a whole nother topic that is super deep and at some point maybe we'll get into that <laughs> man that's not a whole nother like subject and sermon by itself man like i just love these little windows of just this is praise when you know when two or more gather in his name it's a beautiful thing to see, you know, we're distanced right now, but we can both express our gratitude and our love and our admiration and appreciation for our, our savior that he's willing to truly show us like, yes, I know it's hard, but I'm also going to live this life so I can show you the example to live by. Like, ah, it, it's, it's remarkable and it gives me so much hope. And it, it gives me composure. I was one of my favorite illustrations that I, I actually came up with when, it, you know, when it comes to uh, trying to, uh, you know, elaborate on how unique we are and how special we are. I tell people all the time, if you go around your house and you look at anything that has value or, you know, that can produce value, it comes with a manual, it literally comes with a step-by-step tutorial on how to properly utilize said object so that you can get the, 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 the proper usage, but also be, you know, get the effectiveness that you're looking to get out of whatever you, you know, appliance, clippers, whatever it is. I'm like, God loved us so much. He gave us the most <laughs> amazing step-by-step manual for our lives. And it's not just his word, but his son. So, I, man, I just get so, I get so turned up when it comes to Jesus. Like, it's, oh, man, he's amazing. Amen. Kathy, what you got? Yeah, this, this Bible topics that was 
like a hundred percent personal, you know, because we like you said, we experience death in, in our family and everything. And I think uh, for us uh, at least give us the Lord give us some some answers and comfort in his in his word, you know. Amen. Amen. And that's uh and that's where the source of our joy comes from. Is 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 the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I truly believe that. And good days, we're already in them. Bad days are coming. Uh if you're in the bad days, know the good days are coming. If you're in the good days, understand that bad days are coming. And so what's important is that we represent Christ well in both sets of those days. God bless y'all. Love y'all. Amen. Love you too, brother. Love you too, sister. Y'all have a wonderful evening.